Please do turn tonight to the psalm that we read, Psalm 16 in our text. We shall really focus just with one other reference to the final verse of this psalm, a psalm which speaks of life and of eternal life. Let's read this verse together, verse 11. Thou wilt show me the path of life in thy presence is fullness of joy. At thy right hand there are pleasures evermore. So that's my title tonight, Pleasures Forevermore. This life, this life. We need to think from time to time and take stock. What is this life really about? How do we characterize it? If you sum up your life and my life, what's our view? What conclusions can we come to? Well, we don't really need to do that because the Word of God does it for us. And my experience when you look at these things is everything I'm going to tell you, it accords exactly with my experience in life. Let me just quote a few verses I'll tell you the book, not the reference. The book of Job says this, Life is short, full of trouble. Do you know if you live for 80-something years, your life is just 30,000 days. 30,000 days. That's really not very many. It says in the book of Job as well, we are born to trouble as surely as the sparks fly upward. It's inevitable. The spark doesn't go down, it goes up. And so in our life, it's inevitable that we will have troubles and difficulties. Don't be surprised. No, that's inevitable. That's the book of Job. Just two verses. What about Ecclesiastes? Solomon says, Life is full of sorrows and grief. His heart takes not rest in the night. Do you know, even at night time, and children, I hope you sleep well. I really do. But you know, as you get older, more often than not, you will have wakeful moments in the night. And the cares of life will be turned over and over. We do not take rest in our heart, even at night. Solomon says, in much wisdom, there is grief. The more we know and the wiser we get about life, and I can tell you this as a pastor, the more I know about people's lives, the more I know there is trouble. And there is sorrow. And the wiser and the older and the more experience you get in life, you see there's more grief and there's more trouble. He that increases in knowledge increases in sorrow, says Solomon. What about the book of Proverbs? The fear of the Lord is a fountain of life. To depart from the snares of death. That's life, says Solomon. When you think about it, 
30,000 days? What does a baby do on the first day he or she is born? In the first hour of life, the baby cries. We're born into tears, born into sorrow. That will be our earthly life, not all of life, yes, there are joys and we shall think of some of those, but life, when you stand back, it is characterized by a lot of sorrow, grief, trouble in its shortness. Well, what does the Lord Jesus say in Mark's Gospel? What shall it profit a man if he shall gain the whole world and lose his own soul? We need to stand back. If I was to sum up life based upon what the Word of God says, we'd use words like this. Disappointment. Struggle. Sickness. Sadness. Sorrow. And occasional joy. And even the joys, they're soon over. It's said that joys in life are like a snowflake landing in a river. You see the snowflake and it's gone. Gone. The joy that we once had. Well, this verse, it's necessary as we look at this text that we think also about death. We're going to think about life, death, and heaven tonight, and then the pathway to life. This afternoon, a few of us had a walk in the cemetery up there on the hill. It's a sobering thing to do. Cemeteries are a good place to go to sometimes, not too often. We can't live life only thinking of death. But now and again, once a year, maybe, it's a good thing. Go and read the gravestones. So-and-so, 17 years old, died in the First World War, 1917. So-and-so, 22 years old, died with his brother alongside him. It's sobering. It said that the only certainty in life is death. And we spend so little time thinking about the only thing that's certain. Life isn't certain. Happiness is definitely not certain. Death is certain. So from time to time, we don't do this very often, we must think about death. And also the pathway to life. And speak about heaven. Heaven. What's heaven all about? I'm going to ask a few questions and try and answer them just from this principal verse tonight. Heaven. How can we with our limited understanding have any understanding of heaven unless God reveals it to us? Well, Let's start tonight. Where is heaven? Have you ever asked that question? It's one of those questions I get asked quite regularly. Where is heaven? It's almost as though we want to get the GPS. We want to fix it. 
on a map. Well, where is heaven? This verse tells us, in the middle of the verse, in thy presence. Do you know where heaven is? Heaven is where God is. To be with God is heaven. To be without God is hell. That's what the verse says. In thy presence is fullness of joy. Complete, perfect joy. Do you know a king has every right or a queen to determine who comes into their presence? I'm not sure this happens nowadays, but ancient kings, if he didn't like the look of you, they would push you out of their presence. And you know it's the same with God. God has every right to determine who will be in the presence of God for all eternity and who will not. In thy presence. That's the first answer to the question of where heaven is. Do you know the wonderful thing is that God doesn't want to push anybody from his presence. He says that he's not willing that anybody should perish. To perish is to go to hell. To perish is to be away from God. To perish is to know nothing of eternal life and sins forgiven. The Lord Jesus says, Why will you die? Why will you die a death without knowing Christ? I would have gathered you. The Lord Jesus wants to bring everybody into his presence. He wants to bring you closer tonight. If you're far from God and my voice is the voice of the Holy Spirit speaking to you tonight and you know you're far from God, this is the voice you can't ignore. God saying to you, come near. Come near and I'll come near to you. This is about nearness to God. In thy presence. That means to be with God. To be intimate. To be close with him. To be in his very midst. To know him. To see him. To hear him. Do you know the presence of God in your life tonight? If you do, you're a believer. If you know his smile, his help, then you know the presence of God which makes rich. Well, what did the Lord Jesus say? In Matthew 7, I find these words, I've said it before, some of the most dreadful, terrible, in the whole of the word of God, from the mouth of the Lord Jesus, the religious people, the most religious people came to him and said, Lord, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? Cast out demons in thy name and done many wonders in thy name. Three things that they boasted of, their religion. But notice it was what they did. Do you know to go to heaven, 
It's only about what Christ has done. The Lord Jesus says to them, And then, I will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. He was saying, you're not welcome in my presence. You're not one of mine. What you've done has done nothing to draw you near to my presence. You don't belong here. You're an outsider, not an insider. In thy presence is fullness of joy. And then it goes on to say, at thy right hand. That's an interesting expression. The right hand, that's the power of God. It's a figure of speech used very often. But you know, the Bible tells us very clearly what the right hand of God is. You don't need to turn to it. But Hebrews 1 verse 3 says this, being the brightness of his glory and the express image of his person and upholding all things by the word of his power when he had by himself, Christ, purged our sins. He sat down on the right hand of the majesty on high. What's the right hand of God the Father? It's Christ. I could turn you to other scriptures. Psalm 110 verse 1. The Lord said unto my Lord, Sit thou at my right hand until I make thine enemies my footstool. The right hand. It's a figure of speech. But what it means here in this psalm, in this verse 11, at thy right hand, it's the Lord Jesus Christ. To be with God in heaven, to be in the presence of the triune God, one God, three persons, you need to know Jesus Christ at thy right hand. Do you know what the pleasures are? We'll come on to this. The ultimate pleasure of heaven is to see your Savior, to see the one who has washed you, the one who's given you the white glorious robes because you've been washed with his precious blood. That's what we read in Revelation 7. Well, that's the first question. Where is heaven? It is in the presence of God and it's at his right hand. It's to know Christ. It's to love Christ. It's to see your only saviour. Well, a second question, what is heaven? Thought about where? What is heaven? How would you answer that question? People speak about heaven on earth. We just get a glimpse. We get a foretaste. If you're a Christian tonight, you know something of the pleasures forevermore. You know something of being in the presence of God. You know him when you pray. You know him when you read the word of God. You know him when you have his help in your life. But what is heaven? Well, we've had this morning 
in Christ. All the fullness dwells. Here's another word, fullness. In thy presence is fullness of joy. You think of this world's joys. We've mentioned it already. They come and they go. A firework display throughout life. Gone. The pleasures that we once knew when the body gets old. The pleasures we once knew when we had companionship, gone. The pleasures we once knew when we could run and skip and jump, gone. But not in heaven. Do you know what heaven is? If to be with Christ and to be with God in his presence is heaven, Do you know what heaven is? It's to have fullness of joy. Let me tell you something about that. It's to know joy that never ends. Never ends. Do you know when you think about our life and you add it together to the whole of eternity, your life is less than one second. Have you thought of that? Why don't you think more of eternity? And the pleasures... And the fullness of joy that is promised. How can heaven be fullness of joy? Well, God is there. And in the midst of heaven is Christ, the Lamb that was slain, the one who is the center and the spring of all our joys. Do you know to be with him is perfect joy. To be in his presence is fullness of joy. Think about what won't be there. No sadness, no sorrow, no sickness, no separation, no death, no disappointment, no loss. Heaven will be the very opposite. You'll have a new body. You'll be with Christ forever. You'll never lose anything. You will have fullness of joy. There won't be anything missing. Don't think about whether your dog or cat will be there. It will be something far better. Don't think about whether your loved one will be recognizable. You'll see Christ. And to see him is fullness of joy. Heaven is the opposite of hell. Hell without God. Gnashing of teeth. Hell which is crying, sorrow, burning, fire, flames. Think about that. Would you rather be without God, away from him, or in his presence, which is continuous, is fullness of joy without anything diminishing it, unalloyed, undiminished. Well, why is heaven heaven? The answers are given because God has promised. He said in John 10, I go to prepare a place for you. If it was not so, I would have told you. God has promised There will be a heaven, and there will be 
a hell. Heaven will have so much room. And there is yet room tonight for your soul. Some have testified of what heaven is like. Moses has had a glimpse. The three disciples, the inner core, they've had a glimpse of heaven. Paul has had a glimpse. Even the martyrs referred to, I believe, in Revelation 7, had a glimpse of heaven, even before they breathed their last breath. Do you know the account, the testimony, consistently of all who've had a glimpse of heaven, a vision, those who witnessed Christ and had that day with the Lord Jesus, everyone has said that this verse is true. It's fullness of joy, undiminished. No other joy that could make it better. A place full of joy and glory. But you know there's another reason. Why is heaven heaven? Why is it sublime? Just think of how much Christ suffered. Think tonight of the cost that he was willing to overcome. The pain that he was willing to suffer. The torment that he endured. The pain, the separation from his heavenly Father. The fact that he had to surrender all powers to call angels from above. The fact that he had to take my punishment for my sin and multiply that up by a number that nobody can count. If his suffering was that big, just think of what heaven must be like. If he was willing to purchase heaven for me and for you. And that's why heaven is heaven. Because it must be even more than the suffering of Christ. Do you know the Lord Jesus Christ? It was the Apostle Paul that said, to be with Christ is far better. He had an amazing life. He was a blessing to thousands upon thousands. And as he stayed in prison, on one occasion he said, from Philippi, do you know I'm... I'm undecided whether to stay in this life and to extend the kingdom of heaven or to go to be with Christ, which is far, far better. Maybe one more thought. Heaven is heaven because there's no more earth. It will be folded up. It will be destroyed. Do you know this earth is the center of the universe when it comes to pain and sorrow and trouble? And it will be no longer, because at thy right hand there are pleasures forevermore. But before we close, I want to go back to the beginning of the verse. This is David speaking, but it's also messianic. It's speaking of Christ. It's saying, thou wilt show me the path 
of life. The word for path is a well-trodden pathway. Not a jungle with no way through, but a pathway which is tried and tested. And the Lord says he will show me. Is there someone here tonight? You don't know the pathway to life. You're carrying on week after week without knowing you have a heaven, without knowing you have a sure pathway to heaven. Well, the Lord promises in this verse, is this for you tonight? Thou wilt show me the path of life, the pathway to heaven. It's revealed personally to all who ask. It's not clear to everybody. It seems there's no way forward. When you've understood your personal sin and the judgment of God, the righteous judgment of God, it seems darkness. But thou wilt show me the path of life. Do you know what's at the end of that path? It's the cross. It's Christ. Because it says, in thy presence is fullness of joy at thy right hand. The verse is all about Christ. This psalm is about Christ. The psalm contrasts those that worship another God. But it says, the testimony of David is that the lines of his life have fallen in a good place. He has the pathway which is straight, that leads to life. He has boundaries either side, and he's on the pathway to heaven. This pathway leads to new life, eternal life, resurrection life. This final verse speaks about the resurrection for all who are dead in Christ and all who are alive who hear that trumpet sound, it says they will hear pleasures forevermore. That's resurrection. That's eternal life. That's new life in the Lord Jesus Christ. And you know that life that's promised is a life full of satisfaction. It will satisfy every desire that you have. Pleasures forevermore. Are you on that pathway? Do you know what I'm speaking about tonight? Does that verse speak to you? Can you say, the Lord has shown me the pathway to life? If he hasn't, go and pray. Go and ask him. Show me the path to life. I want to be in the presence of God, which is joy, which is heaven. And at thy right hand, which is Christ, there are pleasures forevermore. If you don't know what that means, go back to verse 8. This is what David can say. This is what every Christian can say. If you do know the Lord Jesus tonight, this is what you can say. I have set... The Lord, the cross, the Lord Jesus Christ always before me. That's where I get my bearings from. 
That is the center of my life. That's the end of my journey. Because he is at my right hand, my place of strength and power, which is Christ Jesus. And because of that, in all the troubles, in all the fluctuations of life, I shall not be moved. That's the believer speaking. Can you speak as a Christian tonight? Is that what you can say? If that's the case, you are a believer and you can speak well of Christ and he will speak well of you. Oh, mustn't we pause often in this frenzied world with so many distractions. You need to prepare now for death. It's life's only certainty. The Lord will show you the path of life individually. Just ask him, show me the way to Calvary. Show me the way to fullness of joy. And then I'll know those pleasures forevermore. Let's pray together. Our gracious God, these words are so true. They ring that chord of certainty in our heart. We read of Christ Jesus. We read of joy and of heaven to be with God which is far better. O oh Lord, speak tenderly to our heart tonight. Bring not fear. Bring only the fear of God. And may we sleep tonight, many of us, knowing that we have a Savior, we have an Advocate, one who will speak for us. May we set our eyes on him tonight. We ask in Jesus' precious name. Amen.